Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Stirs your heart. So grateful. The Apostle Paul said, I've, I, I've become a fool for Christ, so that's why I wore that catfish outfit. Felt like it was biblical, but I just, again, I just thank you. Um, this is an exciting day as we're emphasizing local missions, and I want to share a quote with you, and then I want to remind you of what this really is all about biblically. C.T. Studd, who lived long ago, said this, the light that shines farthest shines brightest nearest home. The light that shines farthest shines brightest nearest home. Now, you may have to let that soak in a little bit. It's talking about local missions and the value of it and the importance of it. Now, when we think about partaking of the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of the, of the gospel. When we have the other ordinance that we believe the Bible teaches, believer's baptism, we're reminded of the gospel. When we talk about partnerships, the reason we want to give and we want to go and we want to be involved is because not everybody has the hope that we have. You hear that word hope in the world What we're talking about when we say hope, we're talking about biblical hope. When a person enters a relationship with Jesus Christ, they have hope for eternity when they die, but they also have hope here no matter what they go through. And so what we want to do is be reminded of that hope that prayerfully we've experienced. If not, it's not too late. Your heart's still beating. It's not too late. And be reminded of people that we're partnering with, some new partners that you just saw, and some ongoing partnership. Now, the reason this is important, just just listen to this. Acts 1-8, you're very familiar with it. Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, after he rose from the dead, crucified on the cross, ascended to heaven. But before that, this is what he said. It's like, these are your marching orders, church and disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's the seal of the Holy Spirit when we admit our sin and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's God. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That very first word, Jerusalem, emphasizes the importance or reminds us of the importance of local missions. Now, if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the last few verses, verses 16, 17, and 18. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 16 through 18. This was the apostle Paul. He was in prison, and he wrote this final letter to young Timothy. Now, most of us have perhaps learned through the years about young Timothy. The apostle Paul mentored him, helped shape him for ministry, and he 
made a great investment in him. But we may not know about an obscure missionary partner for the Apostle Paul named Onesimus. Say that ten times, you might get your tongue tied. But it is a very important person, though we don't know a lot about him when it comes to partnerships. So often we just see the person on the front page or in the video, uh, and we don't really realize people on the platform maybe or those that will serve the deacons. but, But we don't realize it's a group effort. It takes all of us to share the message of the gospel and to share hope. So listen to this final letter and what he says here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. He says, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Anasiphorus. Anasiphorus. Now, he's saying, this is a good guy. This is a good partner. Now, I didn't read the verses right before, but right before that, there were some guys that weren't good guys. They turned out to be bad eggs, and they weren't really solid, committed partners in the gospel for the Apostle Paul, but not this one. Anasiphorus was a good one because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Now, why was he in chains? Because he'd been put in prison because he proclaimed the gospel. He wasn't put in prison because he'd done anything bad like uh, murdered someone or committed adultery or something like that. And God is a gracious God and he forgives all of us. He was put in prison because he was sharing the gospel. There are martyrs today all over the world that are in chains because they love God and they're not ashamed of God and sharing the gospel. So he was there for a good reason. He was not ashamed of my chains on Esophorus, and the, on the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. Then verse 18, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. We don't know a lot about him, but we can be reminded and learn about partnerships. Here's number one. First truth we see from our text, partnerships require commitment. It says, he was not ashamed of my chains. He was committed. Some of us have been on stage and we said, I do to our wife, to our spouse. That means we're committed in the good times and the bad times. That means that we are to extend grace. With our spouse, sometimes that can be difficult. But you could ask my wife if she was here. But it's important that we are reminded practically of the commitment that he had to the Apostle Paul. Don't know a lot about him, but right here we see he was not ashamed of my chains. This was his partner no matter what. He was going to be by his side even if it was frowned upon by pagans or the lost world. As I'm thinking about this kind of partnership and this kind of commitment, as I'm getting ready for Hungry Men, our seven-week Bible study beginning the first Thursday in October for every Thursday, 5.30 in the morning, big breakfast, 
big Bible study, big brotherhood. I'm excited about it. We're going to study the life of David. And y'all, when I thought about what is an example, a cross-reference of somebody that's a solid partner that's committed, I think about David and Jonathan. We're going to land on that, guys, on one of those Thursdays for sure. What does it mean to be a committed friend through the good times and the bad times? Oh, Jonathan was David in the Old Testament's friend. He was sold out. He was committed to him so much so that he helped him avoid his own dad, King Saul, because he was filled with jealousy trying to kill young David. Jonathan was a committed friend. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Partners require commitment. Now, before I move on to truth number two, I have been blessed with some wonderful friends and partners through the years. One of them preached last week, Jeff Clark. Pastor in Hattiesburg, as far as I know, he didn't tell too much information from the college days. He was pretty well behaved, which is good for Jeff. He can get a lot out of control every now and then. But I have been blessed with some wonderful friends and partners in the gospel. And that's an example of that. We've had a lot of good times, bad times in between. Our wives are close. That's a type of friend and partner like they were. It's important. And lo and behold, I didn't realize this was going to happen, but uh, a person who, uh, a good friend of mine, Steve Jordan, who happens to be down here on the front row, we've been friends for a long time. And we, he, he lives in Atlanta. He lives, he's got a place in the Madison area. Uh, he's got grandkids here, so that's why he comes back every now and then. And he came in to go to a funeral uh, that we both attended visitation yesterday in a church we served in for many years in Clinton. Steve and I went to Clinton High School. We went to Mississippi College. It was in my wedding. We go way, way back. And just like Jeff Clark, he and I have been through a lot of good times, difficult times, and he has been a friend through it all. So let me tell you how this relates. Years ago, we planted a church in Memphis. It's called Bridge Memphis. It was in a very difficult area of the city. It wasn't the nicest area of Memphis. It wasn't the most difficult area of Memphis. It was in an area called Midtown Memphis. Bridge Memphis was the name of the church. And as we were planning this church, it's kind of like, how can we get a launch team of people to help us? How can we bring in some people, all kinds of people, to partner with us to plant this church? And so we launched a lot. We, we've created a launch team, got all kind of different people. And I asked my buddy Steve, who was living in Atlanta, if he would consider being on the launch team, which meant, yes, you gave some, but on the launch team, you had to be there for, for once a month for these meetings leading up to planting this brand new church, kind of like the guy in Starkville. He's a partner. He needs people that are committed. We needed people to start this church in Memphis, and Steve was committed. He paid his own way to fly over to Memphis to be at those meetings. He gave some. He supported me. He called people to ask them to partner. That's the kind of partnership and commitment that we're grateful for. I didn't realize as I was getting ready for today that Steve would actually be here. He asked 
since he was in town, if he could come. And so that's an example right there. And I will always remember that, Steve. I'm very grateful. And let me tell you something. This young man that I'm going to talk about in a minute that's in Starkville. Some of you say, well, I'm not a state fan. Well, you're a fan of the gospel. I'm just kidding there. You're a fan of the gospel And so it's something that we can do to partner with him and others that are sharing the gospel, but it takes being committed. Partnerships require commitment. Number two, partnerships may result from an initiative. He was not ashamed of my change. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me. Partners search for people to help them for the sake of the gospel. So, when we think about initiating partnerships, are people trying to reach out for us as a church or an individual to help with them financially or participating like many did on Friday and in other times? Sometimes it is a fit all the way around, and sometimes it may not be a fit for a time because you can only do so much. So when I think about how did this come about with the church plant in Starkville, let me share an example with you. Vance Pittman, who works for the North American Mission Board years ago, said, and I've never forgotten it, God often works through relationships. You get to know people, and you develop a relationship. And then from that, God might use that to help partner in ministry, financially or otherwise. You heard the guy from Starkville. Chris said there are some people that have moved to Starkville to be initial members of the church. We experienced that years ago. There were some that didn't live right there in Midtown Memphis, but they partnered in different ways. They lived in other cities, and some came to the church for a season. This young man and his family have literally moved because of the well network who has a pastor named John Brock from Mississippi, used to pastor in Pearl. In North Alabama, they created this network called The Well, and they plant churches in cities that have universities. Last year, when I was in Florida, we partnered because of John Brock, Mississippi guy, knew him, a little bit younger than me, Met him uh, at MC and then got to know him when he was pastoring in Pearl. He helped sponsor Malachi Cole, Jacksonville State in Alabama. Our church in Florida partnered with them because of Malachi, because of John. His relationship. The church in St. Pete continues to give. They gave their vacation Bible school money to help Malachi and his church there. They're reaching college students and others. And then Malachi told Chris about me, Mississippi guy that moved home to Mississippi. Hey, you're planting a church in Starkville? You ought to contact Hal and get to know him. He called. Phil and I met him for for, uh, lunch, I believe it was, or breakfast. We had a great experience because, you know, John, you know, Malachi, you know, Chris, He's going to Starkville. He's planting a church. Been there, done that. You need partners as much as you can. We are partnering with him through prayer, through some financial uh, uh, commitment there in this last, with the new budget year. And then we hope to have 
teenagers, college students, perhaps some of you going from time to time to minister to help that church be everything that it needs to be. That's a part of what One Cent Missions is all about. That's what local missions is about. That's what partnerships are about. There's another one I mentioned that we didn't, forgot to put this in the letter. That's my fault. But I want to tell you that for years, one of the entities that we've supported as Southern Baptists, as Mississippi Baptists, is a Mississippi Baptist children's home. For years, for years and years, Paul Nunnery was the head of the Mississippi Baptist Children's Home. Steve and I used to go to church with Paul. Paul's in heaven now. What a wonderful man. And the guy that's in charge now, and there's been others that have been in charge after Paul Nunnery, but the one now that, that leads our Mississippi Baptist Children's Home, and we have a local home. There's several. There used to just be one in Clinton. Now there's several all over the state. And so the one in charge of it now leading it is a guy named Sean Milner. And Sean grew up in the Baptist Children's Home. And now, by God's grace, he's leading that entity. And you, as East Haven, gave years ago to help support Sean, who none of us knew in the providence of God would one day be in charge of it and leading it. It's called partnerships. That's the way we support the Baptist Children's Village. And so, just as a side note, the reason my wife isn't here is because she started working with the Baptist Children's Village uh, just this past Monday. She was hired, I've shared this with some, and on a Wednesday night, she was hired by Scene and others to be the South Regional Director for the Baptist Children's Home. So Kelly's at a conference right now in Oklahoma. She'll get back Tuesday. She left me with a dog named Woodrow. We're surviving. And part of what she's doing is being trained for when she comes back. Part of her role is to cover South Mississippi to go to those churches that have been giving for years to say thank you. Thank you for supporting the gospel and mission endeavors because these children need love and they're receiving it. And then she'll tell them some things that God is doing at the village now. Not 10 years ago, but now. That's her main responsibility. And then there'll be times she'll she'll be asked different partners and businesses if they want to be a part of all that. But that is a way to partner and to have an initiative. There may be times that my wife may go to somebody in South Mississippi somewhere to try to initiate a partnership, and they may not feel led to give to the village, or they might feel led, okay? So we've got to remember as an individual or as a group, there's seasons and times to partner with people. And this is a season that we're emphasizing some things in that letter that you received as a church and that we're talking about today for the sake of the gospel. Number three, partnerships demand determination. Onesiphorus was not ashamed of my chains. He searched for me until he found me. He was determined. He didn't give up. He waited until he found him, and he finally did find him. He didn't give up on Paul because why? 
When you believe in someone because they've been faithful as a soldier of the cross and as a friend, you remain determined to help no matter what. Let me tell you one of the things that was mentioned in the letter that I want to talk about just for a second. It's called Night to Shine. And this is something, along with other things, we're partnering with the gospel that we are determined to accomplish because of the way it reflects the love of Christ and for the cause of Christ. Night to Shine was started by Tim Tebow and his foundation years ago to have a prom for special needs. Children as well as adults. Probably more adults than older teenagers or children. And it has made a huge impact. Because it's a way for churches, you have a host church, which we're going to be a host church in February in order to pull in other churches and organizations to help provide for people that some people may not even see in their day-to-day life because they're special. I just love that. And I love you for doing it. And I'm thankful that they chose us and allowed us to host this event. The closest one to our area has been in, at Temple Baptist in Hattiesburg from everything I know. But now we'll have one uh, that will be in our area and there will be others outside of Lincoln County that will come. It's called Night to Shine. If you say, I have never heard of that. Don't Google it now, please. But Google it later. There will be a lot of information that will come up. And it will stir your heart. Special needs. There's a track record of the event. It's a game changer for many It fits our church because we love ministering to our community and community outreach and because our point person is Heather Smith. Now, I don't, Heather's uh, at another local church with her husband and family because of a special recognition, so I can brag on Heather just a minute. Heather, along with all a lot of other people here, are willing to volunteer, and she was willing to volunteer for our first ever Night to Shine at East Haven coming up in February. And she's also has a plate full. She's got a family. She's teaching. But she prayed about it, and she said, I will be the point person. And, y'all, she's working hard. Please pray for Heather and her team and others outside of East Haven that have already volunteered to help. Y'all, this is huge. This is significant. Pray for Heather because we are determined by God's grace to come through for the organization, but more than that, to come through for the glory of God. What a way to be the example of Jesus to do something for many people that are never recognized overall in the world or sometimes even in churches because of their specialness in life. That's being a light in a dark world. That's being like Jesus Christ. On the 4th of July, I shared a new kind of motto and slogan for us as we think about this huge cross that will be out here hopefully before the end of the year. As we have another cross that you may have seen out there, it's wooden stained. If you leave, let's see where I am, you go out, you look for it. 
It's going to be a way to, to help us with praying for each other. You'll hear more about that. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so this is a slogan, a saying, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you, the lengthy one, and then I'm going to break it down a little bit. This is us. This is our church. This is what we're trying to do. Sharing the message of the cross from Brookhaven with all Mississippians and the world about the hope that changes everything. That's what partnership is about. That's what missions is about. That's what Anasaphorus is about. And that's what we're about. You say, well, what's a shorter version? The cross changes everything. The cross changes everything. What's kind of in between? Sharing the hope that changes everything to Mississippi and beyond. Partnerships. You could be somebody that's well-known like the Apostle Paul. Or you can be an obscure person. And God can still use you. Lord, we pray now that as we observe the Lord's Supper, that we'll remember that as we partake, you sacrifice greatly for the gospel. And that, Lord, you ask us to sacrifice financially, as a church, going at times, all kind of different ways. And, Lord, help us to always be open to new partnerships and people that are doing what they can to follow your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to have our invitation. Let me remind you of what our invitation is about. We'll stand and we'll sing. The invitation is to always come to the altar if God leads you to pray. It may be as a result of the letter about the one-cent missions and our partnerships that we've been reminded of that you're faithful in your giving of our tithes as believers the bible tells us to test him when it comes to our tithe so assuming that that's the case with us by god's grace we are now challenged and some of you already do this to say okay what might i want to give in addition to the one cent mission offering you have a better idea I know Kelly and I do as a result of this emphasis and learning a little bit more about our church and what that means. And it may be today or soon after you decide, okay, well, once a month we're going to set aside this for the one-cent mission offering. Write that on our envelope or send it through one of the ways to do that through our media uh, provisions. But that might be a part of the invitation. It might be that you come and say, I want to join this church. I've been attending for a while. I want to come to new member class next week. Sonia's going to teach at 9, but I want to go ahead and initiate that. And you come. Or it might be that God is leading you into missions. You want to make that public so your church family can pray for you. Our staff's going to be here with me. You come and pray with them about that. There may be some other decision. It might be you've never trusted Christ And we certainly want to give you that opportunity. So let's stand and sing and you allow the Lord to lead you in this.